Imagine like the first time you go after having a baby, if you had your oh. baby vaginally. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Like, I think like if you could get in that mindset of like, yeah. it's scary and like That's no amount of someone pressuring you to do it would mm-hmm. be helpful. Like you just have to, you have to, you know, that first one, yeah. you just have to get over the hump. Like you just, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And for everyone to be super understanding and and patient with you. Mm-hmm. I'm like mind blown. You just came up with that. Nice, <laughs> nice job, Megan. Thank you. I am here to contribute a little bit. <laughs> Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and maybe even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel. I am a mother of two with my Montessori training and infant toddler, which is birth through three years old. I am here with Megan, mother of two, with her training in lower elementary, ages six to nine, and she is also currently working on her primary training, ages three to six. And Laura will not be joining us tonight because she has had that sweet, sweet baby. Oh my goodness. We are so happy for her. We're sending her all the love, the rest, and nothing but the best. We miss her, of course, but um, we are encouraging her to take this time and just enjoy the moments. So. Yes, that's our exciting news for the week. At this point, she has like like literally had just had a baby. So she, her little baby boy is not even a day old yet. Yeah. So yesterday we got the news that her water broke and that she was going into labor. And we have not heard the birth story yet, so we don't know how it went. Um, obviously, she is doing well since we have heard from her, but she is healthy. She's doing great. Baby's healthy. He's doing great. We've seen so many sweet pictures and videos, but I can't wait to have Laura join us to tell us all about her birth story, which will be really, really fun to hear. But it's kind of interesting because we're going to talk about potty learning. And the last time we did this, it was just you and me. That is very true. So it's it just is. kind of like this is so like we're our going thing. back. Yeah, this is our thing. So it works out. But yes, congratulations to Laura and congratulations to like our little Montessori babies. Yeah, crew. we get another, another one. Another one. To oh my join gosh, us. we are super outnumbered. We like, are <laughs> like really super. outnumbered. There's so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> multiplying quickly. Six to three. I mean, that's yeah. They are outnumbering us many to one. Okay, so um, we're going to just go ahead and hop in, I think, to the topic this week. We're both tired, to be honest, and just have a lot to share with you about toileting. So um, I just kind of want to start, as I was looking through my album, I just want to start by sharing a quote from one of my albums. I don't have any idea what trainer told me this, so I apologize. Um, I just wrote it and in 
all of my notes and it is just in my philosophy album. So I don't even, I don't even know, but it says toileting is accomplished most easily with preparation that begins far in advance of the time when the child is ready. Just take that and kind of. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. (laughs) Okay. 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 This is a great place to start because I feel like there's such a big difference between potty training and toilet learning. Mm -hmm. And the the thing about it is that it starts from birth. Yeah. And it is so, you know, people often say, how long does it take? It takes years, years and not, and not in the sense of like they are without a diaper for years, but that this whole process is starting from it's, it's layered and it's yeah. starting in stages. And I think you can probably think of it in the same way as like learning to read or write there's a lot that happens and a lot of preparation that needs to happen for that success to come about and and that it's it's a it's a process. Yeah. I think we say that a lot, but it's it's a process of like we're not just going to be like okay, it's time to get rid of the diapers and that it's just going to work. So I think that's a great place to keep our mindset of this starts at birth like little Laura's little tiny baby her basically toileting journey starts today. Yeah. Yeah. So before we dive in, um, I do want to say we have another toileting episode that me and Megan um, did before called Potty in the USA. So that one really talks about potty training versus toilet learning and also talks about setting up the environment for toilet learning. So we are going to talk about some of that today, but also um, probably get more of like readiness and kind of what to do if things go wrong. And then we want to get to your questions. So if you have details or questions on just like, oh my gosh, how do I set up the environment? Then you might want to go back and listen to that episode and then listen to this just to kind of, you know, hear hear the entire perspective. Yeah. I think that this episode kind of came about, we started getting a lot of DMs and not just DMs, like we said in the previous episode, Laura was struggling too. My daughter was taking a really long time and we were having some struggles. So like, I think that this episode came to be in that we realized that it doesn't always go how you plan and it doesn't always go how you expected. And when the kind of struggle starts to happen or there's maybe some kind of regression or like, what do we do when it, when it's not going the way that we hoped and it's starting to become a negative experience. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Yes. So I want to start by just saying like one question we get asked all the time. And one question that um, was in the question um, in the questions that um, Megan posted the box for on our social media page is when is my child ready? So, I mean, that's just a very easy, like so many, when do I start? When do I start this? Right. So we have discussed sensitive periods for many things throughout our podcast episodes, but there is also kind of a sensitive period for toileting. And it's not like, oh, let me Google sensitive period for toileting and it's going to come up. It's the sensitive period when your child's nervous system is really kind of starting to like regulate and mature. Um, and that happens around that 18 month mark. And that's when they just are able to more gain more control over their nervous system, meaning they typically have then the physical ability and the mental ability to hold their bowels. So that's normally like 18 month mark might be, oh, well, I, I start to see some of these readiness signs. 
Then by age 24 months is kind of when they're coming out of that sensitive period where they've already been made aware of it for a while now. And they're just not as aware of it because they've grown older and they're used to that. Aware of what? Of the bodily, of the controlling, of like they got it. They they can control it now and they kind of uh-huh. know that by the 24 months. So they become more relaxed about it. And then you're coming out of that sensitive period and a lot of times after that 24-month mark, so after the two-year-old mark. It gets they, a little harder. It gets a little harder. They maybe don't seem as interested because they've already been in that sensitive window and they're comfortable with the feelings now and all that sort of thing, if that makes sense. So that's why sometimes if you have waited, especially, um, I know I'm a toddler, infant toddler teacher and I have many, many children um, in my room who sometimes parents have waited until they're like three because, oh my gosh, it's March and they're going to children's house in August and they have to be toileted. It's like kind of a pushback. Like parents are like, oh my gosh, it's so hard now because you're kind of out of the sensitive period. So it's really, really important as a parent to observe and be aware of your child in that in that really sensitive period because it's going to make it easier on your child to really start when they're ready and on yourself as a parent, because it's hard to toilet, to, to be a part of the toilet learning process. Yeah. It's, and I think I mean, we have both camps here yeah. listening and asking questions. We have the people who are, you know, their child is right about to get into that window and they're like, okay, how do we start? What do we mm-hmm. do? And then we have a lot of people who are like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because it's very common in our society totally. to not even start until three. So they're yep. like, I don't I'd even know that I missed anything. The window. Um, and then are met with a lot of power struggles at that point. So mm-hmm. um, the reason I'm really excited to talk to you about it and was just telling you was that Rachel is obviously a toddler teacher and she deals with this every single day. Every single one of her students are in that window or just out of that window and are learning how to use the toilet. So at this point of all the years that she's been teaching, she's helped hundreds of children <laughs> through this process and not just children, but families and answered. She was saying that she, you have to ask, answer questions about this every day. Yeah. Every, yeah. every day there's a toileting question. <laughs> and yeah. her teaching team has kind of a policy and plans in place. The school has policies and plans in place that have worked for families throughout. I mean, the school has been around for decades. So, um, I think that it's going to be really, I just, I want to say that because I don't, I'm not going to give a ton of advice because I've done this with one child and I'm about to do this with two. And it's different from just your personal experience versus someone who is trained and someone who does this professionally. So I'm going to leave a lot of this to you and kind of come at it from the perspective as a parent and you get to be the professional. Got it. Okay. Got it. Hit us professional. So I'm going to just start with um, like a kind of a readiness checklist. So if you think, oh, well, I think that maybe my child is close to being ready. Um, Go ahead and get your pencil and paper and you can write down, okay, maybe these are some signs that I need to be looking for. So follow simple directions. That's one. I'm doing an air check because my child should be in this process at this point. And he is, like I said, it starts from birth. Uh, and Rachel's already yelled at me that I need to start. 
soon. Um, but I'm going to give you my checks so that you that can is- personally help me. <laughs> Actually, the only reason we're doing this podcast, which last <laughs> time we did this because my daughter was starting. Is to give, is to give Megan the show. This is like here. actually for me. <laughs> so you could just tune out at this point. This is for me. Anyway, I'll give you the check marks. Ready? Go. So remain dry for at least two hours at a time during the day. Wakes up dry after a nap often. Not always, but you've seen like maybe every uh, every once in a while they're, they're dry after a nap. Has regular and predictable bowel movements. So some may be daily. Some of them may be less frequently. But you're seeing like, okay, every other morning they, at 10 o'clock is like 10 to 1030. You're seeing normalcy there. Walks to and from the bathroom independently. Pulls up and down pants independently. They don't have to dress themselves completely, but you at least want the skills to be able to pull up underwear, pull down underwear. Seems uncomfortable with soiled or wet diapers. Maybe they're taking them off themselves. Um, seems interested in the toilet and has maybe asked to wear underwear. So those are kind of just some major like yes or no. It's just kind of simple And I would say if majority of those are met, then you're probably really close and you should really like, okay. So should they all be met? I don't think they all need to be met. Just most of them. I I would say most of them. So I'll give you my tops like, okay, follow simple directions. You have to be able to follow simple directions to use the toilet. Remains dry for at least two hours. That's an absolute yes. Because if not, you can't be... If your child has to go to the bathroom every 15 to 20 minutes, they're not ready to use the toilet. They have to have more control over that. So I would say remains dry for at least two hours. Yes. Wakes up after a nap dry. No, that doesn't have to be. It comes with bladder control as they learn. Regular and predictable bowel movements. More than likely, this is going to be a really important one just because you don't like if they're not predictable, you're going to probably end up with a lot of um poop accidents and you're already going to end up with a lot of poop accidents but like extreme if they're not kind of have a regulated system um walks from the bathroom that's a yes too the rest seems uncomfortable with soil or wet diapers not every child is bothered by that um so I don't think that's like a must seems interested in the toilet Usually by this age, you're going to see some type of interest anyways. But if not, I think if they're showing these other signs to you, it's probably okay. And has asked to wear grown-up underwear. I don't think that's like a must-have either. So I, a lot of it's like ability co- to control their own body. Yeah, I think so. Like realizing to their own body, like, okay, I know what's happening. I feel this. And just the independent dress piece is always super important because I'm extra mindful of that. Because when a child's at home, right – it's a lot easier. There's less distractions. There's normally maybe a one-on-one parent who can be there. Whereas at school, like I'm in an environment with 12 children. So if I have like recently, I had like one come in new underwear on a Monday, then the following Monday, somebody came in underwear. So over like a three week span, I had three new toileters, um, which is, which is busy. I can't, if they can't dress themselves, like I have, you know, 11 other kids to care for when they're in the bathroom. And then that takes my assistant, an extra body away from the entire environment. So that's me just with 11 children. So I think when they're in an environment like that, it's extra important to know like, okay, they can have those self-dress skills and be independent in that just because 
it's not feasible in a classroom. Yeah, because that can cause a mess if they can't undress themselves. Yeah. Mostly undress, right? I feel like getting is a little bit harder. Um, But the ability to be able to to know that you have to go and be able to do the steps to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, being able to walk to and from. So like if you have a crawler still. Yeah. They need to be able to – no, you need – they need to be able to – to put themselves on the toilet as independent as possible. We have been asked about elimination communication and I'll just say like right here that we don't know anything about that. That's not something that's part of Rachel's training. I have not researched that at all. So um, we're just going to go with what you know in your training and, um, and what you use with, like you said, you do this every day, which blows my mind that you just get a child in underwear for the first time, just like on a daily basis, where it's like been one of the hardest processes for me (laughs) as like a parent. So anyway, you're amazing. So that's the checklist. So I would say if your child is meeting, like, like I said, those top ones I, I shared, you're, you're more than likely ready. Your child's more than likely ready to start. So another thing I just I just want to say, like, I've done this with my own child. I've done this with a billion children in my classroom. You also have to be ready as a parent. But if your child is showing signs, please, 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 please make sure you do it within the sensitive window, because I promise you're only going to make it harder on yourself as a parent if you wait until they're out of this window and then three years old, and then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, why did I not listen to myself? Why did I not prepare myself? So I just want to just do a, do a mindful, hey, hey, remember parents, just if they're ready, just try to follow your child in this because they're showing you the signs. And um, this is a really important time to really like follow, follow, follow them. I feel like this this, I mean, it's not off topic because I feel like you are hitting it the nail right on the head of that. The This is like, you know, most children are going to learn how to go. They're going to learn to use. Yes. Your child's not going to go to college in a diaper. <laughs> at one point, you know, um, in that the biggest piece of this is us. And I know I say this all the time, but our preparation and our ability to stay present and to stay calm and to stay neutral during this whole process, that's the hard part. Yep. Because I don't know what it is. There's something very triggering about this process. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of like anxiety, a lot of times there's like, like you said, there's a time frame of like, they can't start kindergarten or whatever it is until, or, you know, in our case, they can't start children's house until they are toileted or, you know, you have some some major life thing going on and you feel like you need to get it done or everyone else's child is doing it. So you feel like you need to do it or like it's some kind of reflection on you as a parent. And then there's power struggles. There's it's negative. It's creating kind of a, some, I don't know, some friction in your relationship with your child. And so I, I, I do want to say and highlight that point of yours of that, a lot of this is about us and us preparing ourselves of like, yes, we can know the checklist and that's awesome to have. And if you can take the time to really prepare yourself and prepare your space. So something that we, I feel like we didn't have the first time was, which was causing me a lot of anxiety was we didn't have enough underwear. It was like a lot more laundry. Um, 
than I was prepared to do. And we didn't have enough like toileting options. So we had one in the car and then we had just like a seat on our toilet at home. And what ended up making it successful in the end was having a small toilet in our bathroom, having a toilet seat on our actual toilet and having one in the car of just having one everywhere and being available at all times and also having some choice because she was kind of hesitant to use the one that was on the actual toilet. Um, and, and also another one was like cleanup stuff of making sure that like, I didn't feel like things were getting ruined. So making sure that we had the proper ways to clean things up without it feeling like, Oh, it's going to leave another stain or, Oh, it's, I don't have the tools. And I mean, which is like, you know, not everyone can do this. This is of great privilege to be able to have all of these things in place. Like it costs a lot of money. Like, let's be honest, a good carpet yeah. cleaner and a, you know, bunch of toilets. That's not cheap. Um, so something you can do too, if hopefully if your child is showing these signs in a good time of year is just to be outside. That was helpful for us. Um, and that's another reason I was like, my son, we need to do it like this weekend because it's so beautiful and nice. Yeah. And we're just going to close the doors in the in the house so that like all the carpeted rooms are just going to be closed. And then anything I can do to keep myself neutral and to not have emotional attachments to when the accidents will happen. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's just like my personal experience of of why this is hard yeah. and why what you're saying is super important. Yeah, definitely. So before moving on, uh, make sure your environment is set up. Um, make sure maybe you can spend a long weekend at, at home. You don't have, maybe there's an older sibling. You don't want to have like a basketball game to go to and then dance practice to go to. Just make sure like maybe you can have a weekend to really just be home and just focusing on toileting and nothing else. Um, just minimal things on your agenda. That's really helpful in this scenario, because it's very new to your child. And it's a lot. It's, you know, this is a whole new experience for them. So be mindful is that even if they seem ready, it's still new and a lot. So you don't want to, you know, oh, let's do normal life with all these things. And hey, now you're wearing underwear. Your whole life you've been going in a diaper and then all of a sudden it's gone. Yep. And mom and dad are super stressed out and they're mad at me that I didn't make it. And I'm trying to figure out what's going in in my body. Like a lot of this, hopefully, if we can change our mindset to be really empathetic, that this is a new and maybe kind of scary or overwhelming or confusing time for them. And then if we can make some space. For yeah. That. You really want to allow your child to focus and get the hang of things and then slowly like lead back in into the, all the distractions of normal life. I love that. And in Montessori, we call that isolating difficulty. Yep. We're not going to add on a bunch of things. We're going to focus on one thing at a time and master that before piling on. So yep. I love it. What's next? What else are we doing? So um, a lot of questions I think we've got too is, so how long does should it take? When will I know my child is fully toileted? Um, is kind of something else we get DMs about that people have asked. So it's really so child dependent. Uh, I want to say that before like saying these like general numbers timeline, because 
It really depends on your child. It really depends on your life. I mean, are they the only child? Is this the only thing, you know, this your only focus right now? Or do you have more than one kid? Then it's probably going to be a little bit busier just because that's life, you know? Um, So I want to be mindful of that before I kind of dive in on a timeline thing. Um, I would say just in general, you have to give like a solid, like a solid five weeks, a good hefty whole month to really be like all in before you can throw your hands back and be like, yeah, this is not working because this is new and they've been used to just having a diaper and using the diaper however they have needed to use the toilet. So we have to give them, first of all, the first week really is they're like fully realizing, oh, now I really have the control in the toilet. Like they knew they did, but now it's like for real, like I sit on the toilet and I actually realize what's happening, if that makes sense. So like after the week, then they're like, okay, now let's get into the you know, the kind of grind of things. And then as new distractions come and life gets back to normal, then it's harder to stop what they're doing to have to go to the toilet. So if you're, they're working on something, a lot of times in the classroom, we see they're engrossed in that lesson. They don't want to be, you know, we don't want to interrupt work, right? But if they're holding themselves and you see like that sign, then I'm probably going to interrupt a new toileter because otherwise they're, they're probably going to be upset that they just had an accident. So I wouldn't interrupt work if it's a toileter who's been, you know, I'm yeah. not going to. But if it's like, okay, you just started wearing underwear three days ago, I'm, I'm probably going to be like, like oh, they I have I, to I, figure out what I see your body. Yeah, I see your body is showing me edges. you need to use the toilet. Exactly. <laughs> like we they're all kind learning. of have learned like, okay, this is like, I can kind of feel that urge. And then there's a point where it's like, oh, no, there's no time left. So you're saying that they're figuring out where that time yes. is. They, they have to figure it out before they know. So and that takes time. There's a window. There, yeah. there's Which is a window super interesting that. because I feel like there's this um, expectation. I mean, there's a bunch of books on it and stuff like you find on Amazon of like three days to potty train. And I love that you're saying this because what you're saying is that if, if you know, four days goes by and they're still kind of figuring it out, that perfectly normal. Yeah, totally, totally normal. fine. Totally. And you can take a deep breath and it's, it's, I mean, it's not easy, but it's, they're okay. Yeah. And they're doing it that you as a parent are doing okay. And typically poop like even comes later. It's just harder. It's a different, and I know this, this is kind of detailed, but it's a different sensory sensation that they're feeling when it's in a diaper, it's controlled, right? It's like in something, it's more comfortable when it's in a toilet, it feels different coming out. It's just kind of a different sensorial experience. That's kind of uncomfortable in the beginning for children to experience. So that's alarming. Yeah, it can alarming, it can freak them out. So that's why a lot of times you do see that um, just poop coming later, because that's, that's just the sensory um, feeling of the nervous system with the body. And that's normal, too. So it's don't freak out. That timeline can, you know, for a bowel movement can be completely different than them. Completely different. Even if they're having I mean, I now I would say, it's not normal to have like three poop accidents a day, like, or even two a day. But if like two a week, yeah, that's like, that's going to be normal. Um, so especially like even in the first week, three poop accidents, that's going to be normal. Like 
I'm saying if you're five weeks in and they're still a poop accident every single day, then that then you might need to be like, okay. But if there's a poop accident twice, three times a week, it's probably they're still figuring it out. If they have some some hits, some yeah, you pooped in the toilet more than misses, then you're probably good. Okay. So we are say and this is the experience that a lot of people have had and yeah. are having right now. So yeah. they are they gave it the five weeks and they, the child is, there's still a lot of misses. There's still a lot of, um, maybe seeming like they're not worried about it or, you know, the child's not bothered by it or that they're not really kind of signaling into their body and not really noticing the signs. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what now? So my recommendation would be to step back and just take a break. Go back to diapers. And I know that might be like crushing as a parent because you've worked so hard. You really thought they were showing signs of readiness. Maybe it worked for the, the first three or four days and you're like, wow, this is great. And then like you after five weeks, you're like, oh, we're just not getting it. Then I think really for your child, because this is what's going to happen to you're frustrated, right? At that five week yeah, mark. Yeah, yeah. You're frustrated. You're tired from all the accidents, from the worry of, oh my goodness, more poop. You know, it's just too much for me to handle. And that's a lot of stress on your child, accident after accident. You don't want to overload them with that stress either. So step back, take a break, go back to diapers, give yourself time, give your child time, and restart. I would say at least take, like, you got to at least take a month off to really, like, just be like, okay. We, we have to, we just have to take a break from this and restart when you know you have that long weekend to take again, or you have that week to really dive in. And maybe this time you need more than a long weekend. Maybe you need that whole full week of just being like, okay, we have to focus on, I'm going to take Monday, Tuesday. My husband can take Wednesday, Thursday. We'll figure Friday out, but let's figure out how we can lessen the distractions and really work on toileting for like a solid week at home before, you know, and I know that's hard. Like, I know, I get it. I, 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 I hate having to say that, but I think it, the stressor is what kind of gets, it gets overwhelming for their little bodies. And we don't want this to be a a negative experience, right? We want them to, Hey, be proud. They use the toilet and feel good about themselves. So if it's miss after miss after miss, then they're getting a lot of just, uh, 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 you know, so yeah. um, it's kind of best to just step back in that moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, always kind of coming back to that, where are you emotionally as well? Like if you're seeing yourself starting to get frustrated or every time there is, you know, you're having to clean underwear, you're like, you, you know, you're finding yourself getting kind of angry at them of like, we talked about this. You, you need to use the toilet. Why aren't you going to the toilet? Like, if you're finding yourself in that place too, I love what you're saying. Like tap out, give yourself a break, you know, give your child a break and then come back to it when you're feeling more refreshed and um, able to approach it in a more consistent way in a more emotionally neutral way. So um, there are me with some questions. There are a lot of questions. So I think you kind of hit on, um, 
the whole idea that bowel movements will come later and those are a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that people are, have asked is that, um, there's kind of a power struggle sometimes about going and using or sitting on the toilet. So how do you avoid that power struggle? So there's always going to be some kind of power struggle more than likely at some point. So one thing that I have recommended and that that's work with my own child too is um, having a clock. So I have the love every like time or having a timer, I guess having the love every timer just because it came in a box. Um, like a visual timer. A visual timer. Because the, like if you have like a digital timer, you know, these, this age we've talked about like abstract ideas, not their uh, ability developmentally. So the one that Rachel's talking about is a visual timer where you can phys- like you can visually see color getting smaller. Yeah, getting or you smaller. And timer where they can see the sand dwindling down. Mm-hmm. So using a but timer. I want your child to take ownership of this timer. So like, okay, your job is to turn the timer on or flip the sand and when that timer goes off, the timer's telling you to use the toilet. Then you're taking, as a parent, you're taking yourself out of the situation because a lot of times they just, you're telling them what to do and they're like, no, I don't want to listen to you and I have to use the toilet, right? Okay, so the timer is then telling your child to use the toilet, not you. And sometimes that, that takes the power struggle out because they're they've taken ownership and independence in the timer and then they're like oh my timer's my you know my timer's going off I need to go use the toilet now that's one thing that I've kind of seen work um another thing is really maybe sometimes just backing off if you're telling them to go a lot sometimes they just get frustrated even more so and we really need to allow them to know what they're feeling and realize when to go. So be observant and try to send them when you see maybe their body signs and not sending them like every 30 minutes because that's not toilet. That's what is that? What I'm trying to say. That's not toilet learning. That's potty training. That's like, oh, the, you need to go now. Like that's just random times you're sending them. Now in the day as a teacher, do I send children to the bathroom at transition periods? Typically, yes. Like before we go outside, cause we're outside for like an hour on the playground. So I want them to really release their bladder. And if they go and Hey, nothing came out. Great. That's fine. You don't have to go, but it's always like an offer that I give them. I'm not ever making them go. But just reminding them, hey, we're going outside for an hour. So it's probably good to just try. And if nothing happens, great, let's move on. But your body may need to before we start this next big activity of some sort. And do you feel like that's helpful to kind of build it into the schedule of instead of like stopping them from what they're doing, of building it into transitional periods of like, we're already stopping this activity. Yeah. And before we go do this every day, we're going to we're going to try. I personally have found that helpful is like before before bedtime, before nap time, before we eat, before like building it into just part of the routine versus I'm going to come in and interrupt what you're doing and say it's time to go and then we have like a whole issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so a lot of them are a lot of the questions again are about um say they are able to use the toilet sometimes. So someone said that their toddler is able to use the toilet when they're bottomless, but whenever they put underwear on or pants on, then all of a sudden they are no longer using the toilet. Or um, another kind of one is like they are they are urinating in the toilet, but they won't do a bowel movement in the toilet. So the, kind of this like half in, half out situation. Okay. So I would have a lot of questions like to ask these people too before I can just give answers. There's a lot of like specific scenarios. So if they are not, if they're bottomless and they're great and then you move to close and it's not, then I would want to know um, like more than likely too, I'm guessing that they're bottomless when you're home, right? Um, and then when you put on clothes, maybe to go do things or to live about normal life is when the issues arise. So maybe it could be there's a lot of distractions and they're not quite ready there. One thing I did with my um, son is we, instead of going to um, straight to underwear, we did we did the bottomless thing at home for as long as like, I think it was four days for us. I was on Christmas break. So luckily it worked out. I had that time to be home with no plans. And then I moved to pants and then I put on underwear and pants after that. And I chose to do that just because when they put on pants, they still really like if he pees, it would run down his you can leg. Feel it. You yeah. can really feel that sensation. So maybe trying to, if, I don't know if you've done this, I, you know, and if you are this person who asked this question, you're listening, please DM us. And I'm happy to like elaborate and answer in more detail for your specific situation, but maybe just try going to pants and then going to adding underwear in and they will get more of a sense of this is how it feels when I'm wearing clothes. And then when they're able to kind of control that better, then you put on underwear. Underwear is just containing it a lot better. and. Maybe they don't mind having yeah. wet underwear rather than the feeling of wet running down your leg is not very Yeah, <laughs> and I pleasing. think a lot of the times we're more concerned about containing the mess for us mm -hmm. as far as Definitely. cleanup goes, but you're saying that maybe accepting the mess might be helpful at least in making sure that it happens faster. And yeah. of course, we're not trying to rush them, but that they're able to feel those sensations to give feedback to their body. Yeah. Yeah. You can't stay at home for two weeks, right? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it's not functional. So I, we're not trying to speed the process up and we don't want to hurry them along, but also like what's this functional is real life. in your life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what about fear? Children who are fearful of, which I had this experience, um, are fearful of using the toilet or doing like specifically doing a bowel movement in the toilet, especially after maybe like some constipation or some sickness, like yeah. what, how, how do you get them if they've been successful, but there's a setback of some kind? Mm -hmm. So one thing just fearful in general, before I talk about a setback, I think it's helpful um, as a Montessori and we always want the environment to be as um, normal as like set up as possible. You know, we don't typically like to have like extra, uh, they 
in my training, they say to stray away from like the little toilets in your house. That's just because there's not going to be a little toilet for them everywhere they go. So it's just maybe not as realistic. It, it, that's kind of what I learned in training. Now, I think you can, you have to do whatever meets the needs of your child. I chose to have the toilet seat covers that worked for me. And then I have a little boy. So then he ended up wanting to stand when he peed. So that wouldn't have even worked very well with a little toilet because that's just what was he liked at the stool. So you have to do what's best for your family. Whereas we weren't successful until we brought in the tiny, like the small toilets. Exactly. So I think if there is some fear there and you only have like this toilet seat, then try the try having the little toilets that make them more comfortable around your house or wherever you need to put it. If their comfort place is only in their room at this moment and that's where it's successful, you do what you got to do to make them feel comfortable with this new experience in a comfortable environment. So following your child in that. Now, mm-hmm. if there is a setback, maybe they've been sick or something or they, their tummy was hurting, yeah, and they had like a sick bowel movement or something, and um, now they're kind of scared. Um, I just, I would just be as calm and relaxed, maybe turn on some music, maybe if they have like a lovey or a stuffy they want to take, um, just I even like just leave, just sit. It's not, it, remember, this is not a forced time. Just allow them, hey, sit, here's a basket of books. I'll sit in the floor beside you. We can sing some songs. Just make it as comfortable and natural as possible. And if they they don't want to poop at that moment, then, hey, we'll try again later. Maybe try the timer thing. I, I think we have to be super mindful of their experience and, yeah. and respectful in that. I know, yes, they have to sit to poop, right? We, we need them to get there. But if... If there's been a setback because of some major reason, we kind of have to meet them where they yeah. are. In I that. mean, imagine like the first time you go after having a baby. If you had oh. your baby vaginally, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. like I think like if you could get in that mindset of like, yeah, it's scary, and like That's no amount of someone pressuring you to do it would mm-hmm. be helpful. Like you just have to. You have to, you know, that first one. Yeah. You just have to get over the hump. Like you mm-hmm. just, <laughs> yeah. And for everyone to be super understanding and and patient with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a great perspective to put it in. Um, so That's the yeah. first thing that came to my Damn. mind. I'm um, like mind blown. You just came up with that. Nice, <laughs> nice job, Megan. Thank you. I am here to contribute a little <laughs> bit. Um, so you kind of answered, but the pros and cons of adapting a real toilet versus a um, one of the small, like we have the baby Bjorn toilets, um, if there is a one bathroom household. Um, but I think you kind of answered that of like, if you, it has to be in a different room. Yeah, that's fine. You know, that's okay. Um, you just have to have like a cleaning process for that of that you just kind of come up with and beforehand. I think with the goal being eventually that little toilet's going to be in the bathroom or they're going to be using the big toilet with the seat thing or uh, the goal should be that but in the beginning stages for those first two weeks you do what you need to do to make it comfortable for them to be able to successfully use the toilet I was saying that that flexibility will come yeah as they get more confident yeah so I think something I was nervous about was like she's only going in this tiny toilet um but as she was more and more successful we were able to and I, I still don't she gets to choose like it's her 
private time. I'm not going to tell her what to do. But if we're out and about and we have to use, say, a toilet at someone else's house, she's able to do it because she's confident about her abilities. Um, And I also am not going to be overbearing about it or tell her what needs to happen or like try to – I think a lot of what you're saying is like you're not leading this. They mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Um, um, twin twin tips. And I feel like this is just kind of similar to you in a classroom of just having a lot of children at the same time of the same yeah. age, having going through the same process. I do want to say too, though, um, I have had a set of twins before and they were not ready at the same time. And you follow the child when they're ready. So I know as a parent, it might be easier in your head to say, hey, I'm going to do this one time with both kids. But if one's not ready and the other is, don't force that one not ready. Like, get you'll come back to it with them. Do Go, go with the flow of the child that's showing you readiness. And maybe in a few days, your other child will show readiness because- Yeah, and there the is twin, power in there watching. There is power in watching, 100%. My son now, is, as we're starting to get ready, he knows how to do, he knows how yeah. to empty the toilet. He knows how to, like, he knows the process because he's watched it. And so, I mean, I'm sure I would be not, super happy about having to do it twice, which is actually what I'm doing right now. Um, (laughs) But so close in age, that makes it really hard. But um, hopefully the positive is that they get to at least observe and, and see it happening. Um, Regressions. Yeah. They're super successful. Everything's going great. You're like, I did it. They did it. Yay. And then all of a sudden they are having accidents again. So regressions typically are going to happen for a certain reason. Um, It's going to happen maybe something, they were sick, there's a regression after. Um, Maybe a new baby came, there's a regression after. Typically something's going to trigger that regression. Regressions are only for a certain amount of time. So if it's a regression, it's going to be like probably no longer than three weeks of kind of a setback. Um, So maybe something just happened in your household. Like for example, not when my not when I had my daughter, but just in the past, I guess, um, over the past month, we kind of had a setback regression just because I think my daughter's more mobile and like there's just a lot more happening now. And he's realizing, wait, whoa, like she can come over here. Um, she's in my space. She's in my bathroom. And I think he was kind of just PO'd about it, honestly. And I kind of saw a regression of him just not going and him just peeing on himself and not caring. And so I was, I gave him a week and I was like, okay, like you're not listening to your body. And on a weekend, one weekend, um, I laid out all his Spider-Man underwear and he doesn't want to pee in his Spider-Man underwear. And that's like, that was like the end, like he peed in his Spider-Man underwear and he was like, I can't, I, they're wet. I'm sad. And I was like, yeah, that's what happens when we don't listen to our body. And like, we've, we've come out of it now. Like he's back to, oh, I need to go. So I think, um, knowing maybe has something happened in your life that would be triggering this regression and allowing time and space and observation to know how can I kind of nip it, help nip it in the bud, maybe as a parent, because I knew that those Spider-Man underwear were super important to him. And that would kind of make him kind of care again, bring like the spark back and knowing like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to 
take them to the laundry and then not be able to wear them because there's only like four in a pack and I only had one pack of Spidey in his amazing friend underwear. So um, if that makes sense, Megan. Yeah. yeah. No, I was thinking about we had a similar situation of um, my daughter kind of coming into a a point where she wants privacy and she doesn't want her brother just barging in and having those grace and courtesy lessons of how to ask for privacy yeah, or how to, and of course he doesn't listen, but how to, how to, then what to do, how to ask me to help her, you know, ask her brother for privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, like, I don't, think that there's ever any I mean in any situation there's never one thing and one way to fix it no never it's gonna be turning on that those observation skills and saying okay what where is this coming from is is do we need to connect a little bit more do you know like you like you said is there something that I can connect him to that's important to him or is there something that um maybe you know in my case something that she's not getting which is privacy so like Mm -hmm. How can we support them um, with their needs? So I think that that's awesome. Um, I think that's pretty much all of the que- – oh, how to deal with family obsessed with bribes. Okay. Yeah, this this is hard because that's kind of normal, right? Yeah. In a potty training world, not a toilet learning world, it is normal for stickers for – treats for M&Ms for whatever to be part of this process. Um, If that's what you want to do at your home, do what like that. We're not telling you to do it one way. We are telling you as Montessorians, this is what we learned. And this is what's been successful and worked with the children in my classroom and our experience at home as moms. So I want to say that first and foremost. Like this is the way you would do it if this is what you want to do. Correct. Yeah. So, um, Within the Montessori philosophy of toilet learning, um, we, yeah, we do not do bribes. It is a natural experience to go to the bathroom. Nobody gives me a lollipop after I pee on the toilet. So I think um, coming at it, it's it's just natural, right? So as far as families, we've talked about this many, many times. It's just like everything else we've talked about. I think you just have to have that hard conversation with the family and say, you know, this is the way we're doing it. This is the way we're choosing to do it. And we're not going to, we're not going to give a treat or we're not going to give a sticker after they use the bathroom because it's their job. And, um, I think you just have to, to stand strong in your belief and it's hard. Um, now I will say if there's a day like, okay, let's say grandma's picking up on Tuesday and, you're, it's kind of out of your control. She always picks up on Tuesday. She's going to keep your child that whole afternoon. She's going to do whatever she wants to do no matter what. It's okay. I would say that one day a week, it's not worth a fight. Let grandma do whatever she wants to do. You'll come back Wednesday. You're like, oh, um, they're going to be like, oh, can I have a lollipop after they get up off the toilet? Well, that's what grandma chose to do. But remember, it's your job to use the toilet. We don't do that here. It's just normal for you to use the toilet and kind of just go about it. Um, I think if it's a one random off time, it's not going to really be a big deal. If it's consistent, um, like every other day or 
something like that, it's going to be more of an issue. But if it's like random here, there, grandma and grandpa choose to do that, then just just kind of let it roll off your shoulder and just kind of move on. If you feel like this sounds harsh um, and aren't quite understanding or feel like, okay, like if I give my kid a jelly bean, like they're children and this is like, should be a pleasant experience. I totally understand. Um, If you aren't quite understanding or would like to learn a little bit more or are new with us. Um, We have a whole episode on rewards and punishments where we talk a little bit more about um, external rewards versus uh, intrinsic motivation, intrinsic motivation and why it's beneficial and why um, it supports a lifelong learner. So you can go back to that, but we, you know, we're not, not giving out rewards because we're trying to be mean or because, you know, it's a tough world. It's, it's, it's more about us wanting them to find joy and pride in within themselves versus only doing something for if they get an outcome that they want or to get a treat or to get a lollipop, you know, we want them to feel proud of themselves and we want them to feel successful and to have confidence and, and uh, not to take that away from them. And again, if you do give lollipops and jelly beans, we've talked about this. I think I got them and I'm a pretty confident person. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, but it's just like anything else of that. We, we do this to support so many other things, like everything feeds off of each other. And so if this is, if this philosophy is important to you and if you are trying to do things consistently in your home and you're not giving rewards for things, then this might be a way that you, a way that you want to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think that you answered all of the questions and I hope if anything, that if you're struggling with this, that you know, like we got so many messages about this. You are not alone if you're having a hard time, if you're frustrated, if your child is not doing what you want them to do. <laughs> you're not alone. And that's and that's hopefully what I hopefully you come away with a few tools, but also just mostly knowing that it's hard and it's hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And if you are in this toileting stage and you still have questions um, and we didn't answer your question in the potty in the USA episode doesn't answer your questions, just DM us on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and we are really happy to give you like as much advice as we can to help you. Yeah. Detailed this. to your situation. We yeah. try really hard to answer all of you. If if we've ever not answered you, it is genuinely not on purpose. So you yeah. are more than welcome to just be like, hey. What about me? Message um, us back. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 love being able to offer a little bit more support and a little bit more like Rachel said, it's hard to know and give advice on really small little snippets of your of your life. So um yeah, I think my computer's gonna die. So how about we close this one out? Okay, let's yeah. do it. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, rate, and review. Please review. Just please. Please. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Instagram at Montessori Moms in the Wild or email us at (laughs) at Gmail. 
any Gmail email, just, you know. <laughs> just guess. <laughs> email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, stay wild.